Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. As you know, my name is Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And as you know, in addition to my JD, I also hold a couple of other master's degrees in law. That is to say, I'm a master of the laws of intellectual property laws, and I'm also a master of the laws of taxation laws. Now, both of these great degrees were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, which is located in the beautiful city of San Francisco. Now, because of my training, my experience, and my lifelong interest in business and finance and money and wealth creation and wealth transfer and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. Yes, bankruptcy law, because it can help solve a financial issue for an individual, family, or small business owner. And it also gives other businesses an opportunity to recycle assets that maybe uh, were not properly utilized for whatever reason in the existing hands of the existing debtor. So it's also a way to buy assets uh, less than for their market rate. So that's what's good about it. And that's why I practice it, because it uh, can resolve uh, issues for individuals, families, and small business owners, and it can also um, help um, uh, businesses acquire assets. But I also do debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. And as you know, I also am proud to say that as part of my practice, I also sometimes have the opportunity to at least attempt to seek out and vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves, ourselves, the target of some of the more pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that you could imagine. Now, I'm coming to you again today from my continued lockdown in my makeshift studios in my home uh, in another great world-class city. That is to say, the always beautiful city of Oakland, California. And I come to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. And I want y'all out there to know that this past week, I was able to get my first uh, dose of the uh, COVID-19 vaccine. And um, I want y'all to pray for me because <laughs> it's... It, it didn't hurt. It was just like a little poke, but I still have to wait until I get my second dose, and I'll, I'll keep you posted on that as well. So 
I have to ask you before we get into this show to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provides you with at least an outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help. That is to say, someone that knows what they're doing to help you with your financial issues. And I say this because, as I'm known for saying, I believe that representing yourself in a legal matter, especially one concerning your financial assets, is just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. Butter knives don't stand up very well in gunfights. As such, you're likely to find your righteous claims and your valid defenses. They're going to be meeting the promised land way before you do. So let's not do that, if at all possible. So once again, I must share with you the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money. And more probably than not, in these trying times, the lack thereof and your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect your and or your families and or your small businesses, financial, health, wealth, and money-related well-being, as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational forum. So today, we're going to continue our annual refresher on bankruptcy by identifying the key players in a That is to say, if a hypothetical Martian or Vulcan might encounter, if she landed here on Earth next to the bankruptcy court and decided to take a peek at what's going on. Well, you know, technically, she would not have to take the trip all the way from Mars or Vulcan because if she were able to tune into bankruptcy court using Zoom or court call, she wouldn't have to make that long trek because that's the way most matters are handled in bankruptcy court and other courts for that matter during this pandemic. So let's begin. Who are the key players in the bankruptcy process? On a high level, they are, of course, the debtor or debtors, the debtor's creditors, the debtor's attorney. I hope she has one. The creditor's attorney. They will have multiple lawyers. And then there's the bankruptcy court, which includes a bankruptcy judge who's an Article One judge who's been impaneled by the appeals court in the district circuit. And then he's appended to the local district court. And the judge also has a group of professionals, paraprofessionals and lawyers that help her analyze the legal issues concerning the debtor's case. And then there's also the Office of the United States Trustee, which is a subunit of the Department of Justice, whose job, along with the other officers of the court, including the lawyers, is to police the bankruptcy process and help it maintain its integrity. And uh, the Office of the U.S. Trustee is also uh, tasked with selecting and impaneling the various kinds of trustees that monitor the day-to-day activities of the debtors or debtors in possession in bankruptcy, including a Chapter 7 trustee, Chapter 13 trustee, Chapter 12 trustee, and a new uh, sub-Chapter 5, uh, Chapter 11 trustee. So let's focus in on the debtor and the debtors, or the debtors. Now, the debtor or the debtors are the individuals or group of individuals or entities or group of entities seeking relief from his or her or its debt obligations and or 
an orderly liquidation of his, her, or its uh, assets in a Chapter 7 case or seeking an opportunity to rehabilitate himself or herself or itself or themselves by obtaining a court-ordered restructuring of his, her, or its debt portfolio. In the case of a Chapter 13 individual with regular um, uh, income or a Chapter 12 family farmer or family fisher person reorganization or a Chapter 11 individual or small business or large business reorganization. Now, one of the most important events that automatically takes place upon filing uh, the bankruptcy petition is the imposition of an automatic stay of all legal and most administrative actions against the debtor or debtors, including all pending lawsuits and foreclosures so that the debtor or debtors can have a reasonable amount of time to attempt to resolve their financial situation while under the protection of a bankruptcy court. However, the ultimate goal of most debtors is to obtain a discharge of their obligations to pay some or all of their debt that caused them to be in financial distress in the first place. So who can be a debtor in bankruptcy? The Bankruptcy Code also known as Title 11 of the United States Code, which I call the Big Book of United States Laws passed by Congress, covering all our written statutes and regulations. It is Title 11 that implements Article 1, Section 8 of the United States Constitution dealing with the subject of bankruptcies that sets forth two general requirements that all debtors must meet in addition to the chapter-specific requirements for each type or chapter of bankruptcy identified in the bankruptcy code itself. Now, the first requirement is that the debtor be a legal person or a municipality, as both are defined in the bankruptcy code under Section 101. Now, under the bankruptcy code, a person includes individuals, partnerships, and some corporations. An example of the limitation on some corporations is the fact that although most insurance companies take on a corporate structure, all insurers are excluded from the type of corporation that can seek bankruptcy protection in federal courts. You might ask yourself, why can't insurers file for bankruptcy? The answer is because of an agreement between the states and Congress after World War II, mandating that all matters concerning the business of insurance, including their solvency and monitoring, saying uh, their assets uh, and reserving regulations and their financial rehabilitation or the winding down of an insurance company were and remain the purview of and are dealt with solely by the elected or appointed insurance commissioner of the several United States. Now, the agreement that overrode the requirements of the Commerce Clause, which is generally used for all other businesses and why they can file for bankruptcy, was known as the McCarran-Ferguson Act of 1945. Now, on the other hand, other types of business entities not specifically mentioned in the code, such as trust, and limited liability corporations may also take advantage of the protection of the bankruptcy court as a form to deal with their debt. Now, also the term person 
in bankruptcy parlance generally does not include governmental units. Instead, uh, the type of governmental unit that can file is a municipality, which means a political subdivision or public agency or instrumentality of an individual state, such as a city or a town or a county or a school district or a special taxation entity, such as a water or fire suppression district. But it does not include the state itself because under our federal system of governance, a state such as California is a co-equal sovereign with the federal government. But a city such as Stockton or San Bernardino, may file, and those cities have in fact filed for bankruptcy here in California. In order for a municipality to file, it must first obtain permission from its upstream sovereign, such as the state of California, either expressly by the passage of a special bill approved by the legislature and signed off by the governor, or implicitly by following the rules of an already enacted bankruptcy-related status statute that's already on the books. Now, uh, when we come back, we're going to continue our refresher course by honing in on the two key players in the bankruptcy drama whose appearance in the process is required. Otherwise, there'd be no need for the rest of the players. And of course, I'm talking about the debtors and the debtors creditors. So when we come back, I'll see you on the other side. back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As we continue our refresher course on Bankruptcy 101 by honing in on the two key players in the drama whose appearance in the process is required. Otherwise, there would be no need for the other players. Of course, I'm talking about the debtor and the debtor's creditors. And before we took our break, we discussed the debtors in great detail. So next up, the debtor's creditors. Now, these are the entities to whom the debtor owes money or some form of equity and who, as a result of the defaulting debt obligation, they simply just want to get paid. There is a public policy-based hierarchical pecking order in the bankruptcy code that dictates the priority in which a creditor gets repaid, if at all, and uh it's a basically a proxy for the creditor to get paid in bankruptcy. Now, in first position, after the administrative uh, claims that we talked about in great length in a previous show, in first position as to creditors, those are secured creditors, such as entity holding a note or deeds of trust or some form of lien or UCC filing or statutory lien or levy, such as a mortgage or a deed of trust or the pink slip on a car or a motorcycle or the unpaid portion of some executory contracts that are backed up by security interests, such as a defaulted commercial lease on, say, a restaurant. Unlike, okay, so unless there's something special about these secured debts that will allow the debtor to modify or strip down or avoid some or all of the value applicable to the lien or security interest, these debts must be repaid in full even after the bankruptcy case is resolved because these liens or security interests survive or pass through the bankruptcy. 
However, if these secured debts are delinquent at the time of the filing of the bankruptcy, the debtor may be able to pay that delinquency um, over the course of his or her reorganization if the debtor wants to keep the property. Otherwise, the debtor can surrender the property uh, back to the creditor, and that will satisfy the debt uh, 100%. Okay? So if the debtor wants to catch up on missed mortgage payments, she has to file a reorganization bankruptcy and use the three to five years to catch up on the missed payments. And sometimes that works out to be uh, something that can happen. A lot of my Chapter 13 uh, uh, clients uh, utilize uh, the chapter have used the utilized the chapter 13 to catch up on their missed mortgage payments, but it could also be done for missed automobile payments, any kind of secured debt, else the property goes back to the creditor. Now, another type of creditor can be a general unsecured creditor, such as a family friend or relative or credit card company from whom the debtor has borrowed money and the repayment ol- obligation is manifest either by an oral or written contract that was undertaken without the creation of the filing of a lien or another security interest like is the case in secured debt. Now, depending on the type of bankruptcy that the debtor files coupled coupled with the debtor's overall financial situation and prospects at the time of filing, uh, including her ability to fund her reasonable living expenses out of her post-filing monthly income, some or all of her unsecured debt by by the end of the bankruptcy will be discharged at the conclusion of the bankruptcy. But again, it's at the conclusion of the bankruptcy. You don't get the discharge in a Chapter 13 until the conclusion of the three to five year period. And that's why many debtors end up not being able to uh, complete their plan and don't end up with a discharge. Now, the public policy rationale for putting these creditors, these unsecured creditors at the hind end of the debt repayment food chain is that these creditors are presumed to have had the wherewithal to make a rational lending underwriting decision. And they chose to lend their money to a debtor on an unsecured basis with full knowledge of the risk of not being repaid if the debtor filed for bankruptcy, which is why you see all these companies out there telling people not to file for bankruptcy because they don't want you to um, possibly have an opportunity to discharge the debt. And there's also a class, a special class of unsecured creditors who, for public policy reasons, take priority over the plain old vanilla general unsecured creditors that I just described. And I've shared with you before, these are priority creditors, and they include um, uh, domestic support obligations, such as alimony or trial support, or to the governmental agency that's been taking care of the debtor's children because the debtor didn't pay his child support, then they can step up and get, become a, uh, a priority creditor in the bankruptcy. Now, the public policy reasons for this c- class of priority creditors are obvious. If the domestic support obligation debt is not paid by the debtor, Um, from uh, the debtor's future income or from other resources and sources, then the burden of supporting the debtor's former spouse and or children fall to the rest of society. Now, another type of priority creditor is the taxing authority, such as California Franchise Tax Board or the Internal Revenue Service, to whom the debtor owes taxes for recent taxes at the time she filed a bankruptcy. 
Again, just as in the case of domestic support obligation, the public policy reasons for having the debtor pay their tax obligation before her general unsecured creditors are repaid is to not shift the debtor's tax obligations onto her fellow citizens, taxpayers. And as what's unique about tax obligation debt, and I've shared with you before, some of it can be secured, some of it will be priority, and some of it will be general, just general unsecured, depending on when the obligation occurred and what uh, um, statutory basis there is for the taxing authority to push the debt obligation up the food chain. So. As you can see, ferreting out the correct kind of bankruptcy to be filed and determining who, as a, who must, as opposed to who may, be repaid through a debtor's liquidation or reorganization is quite complicated. Uh, as such, the next player is or should be the debtor's attorney. Now. Bankruptcy is a legal procedure that's ruled by the bankruptcy code, bankruptcy rules, along with state laws and statutes, as well as federal and state case law. As such, it is very complicated, even for many lawyers. And I got to tell you, even those of us who focus on this day in and day out, there's always something new that pops up or we didn't think about because we were busy or, you know, some new case came down. And as such, you really have to focus on this. Now, because it's complicated by nature, the vast majority of cases filed by debtors without the assistance of counsel are dismissed or converted to a Chapter 7. And according to the nonprofit Upsolve, who helps debtors file Chapter 7, and the nonprofit media firm ProPublica, some 67% of Chapter 13s fail because of an unexpected event that happens over the three to five year course of time and that causes the debtor to be able to make, to miss one or more payments, which can result in the case being dismissed halfway through the process or towards the end of the process. And that's why you need a lawyer, someone like me. I fight tooth and nail to keep my clients in bankruptcy, sometimes to the chagrin and cross-eyed of people on the other side. But if you're going to you know, help somebody try to save their house, I think it's worth it. And that's why I tell debtors you need to at least talk to a competent lawyer. Unfortunately, you see, if you don't, if your case is dismissed, that automatic stay that you use at the beginning, it'll dissolve just as quickly as it appears, which will result in the springing back to life of the very lawsuit or foreclosure that the debtor or debtors sought to avoid by filing their Chapter 13 case in the first instance. And as a result of the dismissal, the debtor won't get a discharge. So you expended resources to get into the case, and then you tried your best to pay, uh, pay as you could. Something came up, an illness, sickness, divorce, and you get knocked out of the case. You don't get a discharge. So you're technically, not technically, you're literally financially worse off than you were before you filed. And where the case is converted to a Chapter 7, while the debtor or debtors may receive a discharge, the debtor or debtors instantly lose control of the case to a court-appointed Chapter 7 trustee whose sole allegiance is not to the debtor, but to the debtor's unsecured creditors, 
and whose main job is to liquidate the debtor's non-exempt assets as soon as possible and distribute those assets to the unsecured creditors class forthwith. For these reasons, the debtor and the debtors need to hire and listen to and heed the advice given by a competent legal counsel, lest she be the only party, uh, the party who really doesn't know what's going on in the case and end up losing everything. So the fourth player are the creditors, uh, uh, lawyers, and believe you me, they'll have an army of them because your contract, the debtor's contract, will require that the debtor pay for the creditor's lawyers if they lose the case. So, again, if a debtor or debtors represent themselves in bankruptcy, they should be prepared to deal with the army of lawyers on the other side. The small armies who see the debtor or debtors will end up having to pay. So, with that, I'm going to leave it there for now, but always in closing, here at Selwyn's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law, including learn about learning about the laws of bankruptcy and their dual roles of balancing the competing roles of the debtor and the debtor's creditors in the bankruptcy case. So, please, in the interim, till next time, keep your social distance, mask up, and wash your hands. Take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content.